Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a, a Breaking Bad recap episode. We are into episode three of season five, Hazard Pay, first aired on the 29th of July 2012. It's written by Peter Gould, directed by Adam Bernstein, and an interesting one, according to The Ringer. The worst episode ever of Breaking Bad. And I'm going to say this right now. It is not the worst episode of Breaking Bad. My name is Ben. And hey, man, I'm trying to podcast over here, bitch. And uh, my name is Nick. And shut up, 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 shut up. Any more? Got to get any more out of the system? I think I counted them right. Yeah, possibly. Uh, did you know that apparently people have that as their ringtone? Um, I think I there was a Breaking Bad cast reunion on Jimmy Kimmel or one of these things, and Anna Gunn was saying that people come up to her and play that as their ringtone or something like that, or right. their message tone. She's like, it's weird. I didn't think that would become a thing. Um, I like this episode. I, I don't get why the ringer says it's the worst. Um, I mean, I think that... Some of the ones we've had in the last, you know, last week in particular was not as good as this uh, one. I mean, I don't know. This it's there's a lot of setup. Um, I think Anna Gunn is really becoming a well, not that she ever wasn't a star, but like a big star of this show, even more so. I just I love the direction she goes. Um, there's a lot to like about this episode, Nick. Uh, I I don't know about uh, you, where you're sitting on this one. I, you know, I really enjoy. It. I think it's a you know, it's a good episode. It's. Um you know, it's probably not, you know, like an absolute kind of knockout episode, but, you know, like I don't think they all have to be face-off, you know, like some of them are not, most of them are not going to be like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't have it at the bottom of my list, that's for sure. And, I mean, you know, we talk backwards and forwards about Fly, and um, but then, you know, we've got episodes like IFT, and, and but, you know, I mean, without spoiling things too much, this is nowhere near, you know, the, the bottom of my list. So, yeah, it's be interesting to kind of, talk through kind of what we like and what we don't like about this episode because, yeah, I think there's there's plenty to like and certainly a lot more to like than not like. And I also like this continuation of, again, the fallout of Fring dying and kind of what they've got to <clears throat> do to kind of recover from this and that's kind of what we get so much of in the early part of this season and also we get introduced to a very major character this season in this episode. Um, we get this sort of new setup that we've got them going for their cook. We've got a fantastic montage, which is just one of my favourites. Um, there's a lot to really like about this episode that, again, I just I just don't fathom how they can literally say this is the worst episode of Breaking Bad. Again, they ranked Fly at like 12. I think so far their rankings have been good, but I just, I just, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. Last week to me was a much worse episode and they had this that how many spots higher than this? So, um, 
yeah, it's it's interesting. But hey, look, they can't all be perfect like the Oz Network. Clearly, for every Oz Network, you have to have a ringer, essentially, uh, out there. But um, we start off. Uh, we're at the prison, and uh, we get a. A nice sign here. Um, you're not allowed to have any weapons, no smoking, you're not allowed to spit or curse, and no provocative dress. So um, good to see you here, Nick, that you're not wearing your, your boobs aren't hanging out today. So how do you define provocative dress? Like is this one of those things where it's going to be in the news the next day of like Jenny goes to visit her husband and, oh, you've got a bit of cleavage, that's provocative, so she's suing because it's sexist. I mean, how does it, how do you define provocative? If you're wearing a Borat mankini, that's not acceptable. <laughs> Yeah, but possibly that. But, like, I mean, you know, like, I could get off on, I don't know, a, a, a onesie. And, like, to me, that's provocative. <laughs> like, you know, one person's provocative isn't to the other. So, yeah. I don't know. If, if Borat walked in in a, a mankini to me, I'm not going to be, like, turned on. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Uh, so, we meet. What's this What's this lawyer's name here? Um, Dennis. Oh, yes. No, Dennis yes. is the guy in the jail. Um this is Dan. Uh, That's right. Dan Washburger. Yes, because Dan's going to be quite a big character over the next few episodes as well. Yes, yes. No, I, he is. And Dennis is the bald guy who's the laundromat guy who we met briefly what, at the end of uh, last season. Mm. And he becomes a bit of a – a lot of these sort of people become a bit prominent uh, sort of in this uh, season moving along. And we meet uh, we meet our new paralegal here for, uh, for Dan. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> um, just I love Mike in this grey suit, like a lawyer suit. Uh, yes. I, just, I love this uh, this receptionist lady at the prison who's basically like, "Oh, paralegal moving up in the world." <laughs> You've just got Mike just signing in. It's kind of funny. Um, but basically, Mike's here to shake down uh, Dennis and essentially say that uh, you know, just letting you know that the deal's in place. Um, you know, everything's still here. I've got something new going on. Don't worry about it. You'll be sorted. And Dennis is all basically like, oh, I'm, I'm no rat. I'm going to be in jail for like eight years, basically. Um, and he's obviously a bit concerned about his family, about where the money's coming from. But Mike's saying that, uh, look, no, this is, uh, this is all in place. Don't worry. We should also mention that uh, I do like here that uh, Dan basically puts on his iPod and just starts listening to music yeah. to kind of tune himself out. And then as they're leaving the prison, uh, Mike says to Dan that we've got to go through this whole list. We have basically have to see everyone today to go through this. And um, I love angry Mike here, like yelling at the things like, come on, open the door, what's going on here? Um, and just I'll, I'll lump in sort of a few bits here. Walt comes home. Uh, Anna Garn, why am I calling Anna Garn? Skylar is sort of questioning about uh, him coming home and he's like, oh, I'm still going to keep the condo in this market. We're never going to sell. Um, and he, you see the, uh, the Walt, the Walter, uh, Walt Whitman book here as well. Again, we haven't seen that in a while. Fun story for you, Nick. Um, since we last recorded, I watched all of American Crime Story, the uh, impeachment, Monica Lewinsky, uh, Bill Clinton. Fascinating. Great show. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, apparently, one of the gifts that Bill Clinton gave Monica Lewinsky during their affair was this book. So... <laughs> um, there you go. The things you learn. <laughs> so maybe, maybe uh, you know, Vince Gilligan was a bit of a fan of uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal and thought that this could uh, fit into it. So Lisa Grass, a very inspirational book on many levels, basically, if you want stains on your dresses. 
uh, things like that. But um, we also uh, actually I'll, I'll cut it just before we get to um, the Saul scene because uh, we can probably lump a lot of those together there too. But uh, I just I like this kind of the thing that I really enjoy about these episodes is just again Skylar's real fear of Walt here, and Walt's almost just oblivious to it. Walt's just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm just going to get on with my life. Um, and Skylar's just so freaking terrified here, essentially. So um, we're going to get a lot more of that, obviously, uh, next episode and this episode as well. But, uh, yeah, basically the, the pre-title credit scene and then Skylar and, and Walt as he comes back home. Yeah, well, I think the pre-credit's a, a great little setup, and, and, you know, and, and you talked briefly kind of at the start around it being, you know, the the legacy of, of Fring, you know, it isn't just a clean cut for these guys that they can just walk away from it, that there is a whole lot of kind of loose ends that they have to tie up if they want to keep going in the business and, and not even just about the business, but about staying out of trouble with the, with the law, right? Um, so I think that that's a really important scene and it's going to kind of drive the action over the next few episodes, probably right through until I think the, the end of this kind of first half of the season. Um, and yeah, I think the, the, the kind of Skylar stuff is quite interesting because I think the show is obviously from Walt's point of view, and and so we kind of you know we can see he's kind of become cocky and confident that you know he's he's you know gotten rid of gotten rid of Frank and so everything's okay. Whereas you know all she's seen is this guy who's you know and and kind of in the timeline of the show we're kind of talking you know only a few days weeks whatever it is you know since Frank has been killed, and so you know her level of fear is probably right rightfully so and if you were kind of to show this this you know these sequence of events through her eyes you know she's just been in lockdown at hank and marie's place you know like you can understand the fear from her perspective so i think it, it, it's very believable yeah it'd be interesting um was it twilight i think they did or 50 shades of gray i feel like we've talked about this recently where they rewrote it from the different characters perspective so it's kind mm. of like let's you know, and I mean, I don't think you're ever going to film all of Breaking Bad again from the perspective of Skylar, but I mean, it would be fascinating to kind of do that or, you know, because, yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's just what makes it really unique. And I just I just love it. I love the Skylar stuff that we're going to get moving forward here. I really, really do. Um, I love this scene in Saul's office. Uh, Mike just sitting out in the reception, what doing a crossword, <laughs> just staring at Huel, who's asleep standing up because <laughs> why, why, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> Um, and I love Saul in this conversation with Jesse and Walt. And I love, I love Saul here. First of all, his fashion. He's got like a grey sort of suit jacket with a bright red shirt and a multicoloured tie. Love it. I would wear that. I'm not even ashamed to admit I would wear that. Still wearing the ribbon as well. Um, and he's just like, you brought him here? Like, the last time he saw me, he threatened to break my legs. And I love, like, Walt's here. This is Mike. He threatened me. He threatened Jesse. He probably threatened somebody before breakfast this morning. <laughs> I just love this. And Saul's just like, oh, we're the three amigos. You know, one for all, all for one. We don't... We don't need a fourth amigo. Um, so anyway, Saul invites Mike in. And I love this little stare that Mike gives Huel as he walks past him. I don't even know what it is. He just kind of gives him a look up and down as if to say, what's wrong with you? And then just walks in. Um, so, yeah, obviously Mike's agreeing to to join in, be part of this. He handles all the, the business. Walt does all the cooking and everything and basically Mike's laying down the groundwork and saying like, nope, this is this is how it works and this is how it will be and Walt's just kind of like, yep, sure. And Saul basically says to to Walt, you, you okay with this? And he's like, yeah, he handles the business. And then that line from Walt when he's like, and I handle Mike. Uh, it's like, ooh, okay. Uh, so we get a bit of a, a tour around here of trying to find a new facility to cook. So 
First one's at a, a box factory, is it? Uh, is this The Office, I'm guessing, or something like that? Um, I'm just thinking of The Simpsons. Oh, The Simpsons, yes. <laughs> but it's perfect, everything's good. But then Walt points out that uh, there'll be too much humidity and kind of it won't work, it will uh, wreck the product. I love Saul here. It's like, could you go down to Costco and buy a couple of humidifiers? <laughs> Oh, Saul's brilliant. Next, they go to a tortilla factory because why wouldn't you cook at a tortilla factory? But this isn't going to work because as Walt points out that anything around food will have uh, unannounced government inspections. Uh, The best part of this scene is Jesse helping himself to a hot tortilla. (laughs) (laughs) Which, come on, wouldn't wouldn't you do that? Yeah, of course. um, And then the third one... Uh, they rock up and like, oh, everything's fine. Denny's okay with it. You know, everything's covered. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's the laser base again. Oh God. I just, I really want to, I really hope that laser base exists. We'll go to Albuquerque. I want to go there. It looks fun. Um, and then the final stop, we see Vaminos Pest. Um, and they've got this sort of small little shed, and we're thinking they're going to cook here. It's a bit small. Uh, Mike's concerned that there's a cop shop down the road. But Walt says, no, it's perfect. And he kicks a pile of tents. And then we get a great scene where Walt's in the car with Jesse, Mike, and Sol basically explaining how they're going to do this, that houses that get exterminated uh, at least a couple a week. They Nobody ever questions a house being exterminated when they're covered in tents. There's all chemicals and smells. Nobody ever questions it. So they'll basically have to do a, I guess, a, a, a movable cook. They'll have to come up with portable equipment, choose the best house. Saul mentions that all the guys are good. These are, you know, they're all checked and he's helped them out a lot. They're criminals. They steal things, but they'll all be fine. Um, we get our first mention of the name Todd. Jesse Plemons in the flesh. Uh, we don't sort of technically meet meet him right now, but uh, it all comes down to uh, what is, is this? Where Mike's like, "Are we going to vote on it?" And basically, Walt's basically like, well, "What's the vote?" Like, we've all pretty much decided we're going to do this. Um, so I, I love this. I just I think I remember watching this for the first time, going like, "That's really clever." Like that's that's actually really clever doing that. Like I probably logistically doesn't actually make sense, but hey, I believe it. <laughs> like you know, this is the same show that what like we just saw with magnets. So you know, um, but I, I really really like it, and I just kind of like this setup that we're going to get. Um, the one thing that I do have to question, and again, it's just a, it's a trope of TV, is does it make sense that Walt kicks those tents and goes, "It's perfect." And then doesn't explain this until the next day when they're in the car. So, like, does he just literally go, it's perfect. Okay, guys, see you tomorrow. Let's meet in the car. I'll explain then. <laughs> like, it just it makes no sense. But I guess for dramatic effect on TV, it works good. And another thing I'll point out, uh, Saul's second fashion of the episode, bright green shirt uh, <laughs> with a purple tie. I'm a fan. But uh, I like this. I like this setup. And I'm a fan of this tent sort of situation that they're going to have themselves in for the rest of this season. Yeah, and I like the kind of visits to each of the, the, you know, the unsuccessful ones. I think it's, you know, you could argue that maybe you don't need them. Um, but I kind of think it really sells the point that they have to find the right setup that's going to work for the situation. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's a really good way of kind of laying out what they're going to do here. Um, it, it's quite an odd one to me because, like, I don't think I've ever seen a house be exterminated for bugs in New Zealand. It's not really a thing. But um, I imagine, you know, different environment, um, you know, in the middle of a desert that you might need to do these things. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I imagine that this is probably, you know, 
nobody would bat an eyelid at these houses being tented like this. You know, it seems like it when you, you've seen it on American TV shows before, so it kind of makes sense to me. Um, I do kind of question the idea of like that these guys are already criminals and basically they they cut the keys and then sell mm. the information on and do and like. Do you think somebody might notice this kind of like? you know, this pattern of houses being robbed just after they've been, well, you know, after a time, they've all, what have they got in common? Well, they've all been kind of fumigated. So, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of a little bit of a logic gap, but I'm sure it probably happens. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it is really clever, like you say, kind of setting up that this is something that can be done, you know, um, that they can get in and out. They kind of explain all the loopholes here and, and how they're going to do it. Um, yeah, I really like it. I think, in a way, this is a little bit, I, want, I don't want to go as far as to say swan song, but I think this is kind of like, yeah, Saul starts to kind of fade out of the show a little bit for a while from this point onwards. And this is kind of the last kind of big Saul kind of episode we get for quite some time. You know, like he's there and thereabouts, but we've got this other lawyer that we saw at the start of the episode who's going to take center stage a little bit in the next few episodes. So we don't see a lot of Saul, um, which I just think is interesting. I think as we kind of move towards the end, certain characters start to fade, or not fade away, but obviously, you know, you can't start jamming more characters in you, you, or if you are going to add more characters like the Jessica, the, um, the Todd character, sorry, you're going to have to kind of find other ways to, to fade others back a little bit. So it's just interesting that I noted that, yeah, I just think this is kind of like the last big episode for Saul for a little bit. Do you, is that, do you think that they had announced or they had planned at this point that Better Call Saul was going to be a thing and that maybe they don't want to kind of blow his wad a little? Because, I mean, in all fairness and without being too, too spoilerific, Saul doesn't really get much of a send-off. I mean, he does, but, like, he doesn't really, not in the length of some of these other characters, right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I think, you know, there's a note here on the, the kind of Breaking Bad wiki page that, you know, um, Dean Norris isn't in this episode and then part of that was because that he had obviously taken on the, the under the dome role at this point so he wanted to kind of dial back how much time he was spending on Breaking Bad which seems crazy in retrospect doesn't it but um, well, isn't that what he wanted wasn't it like a thing that he wanted out of this season like at the halfway point and basically was it Vince Gilligan kind of just like begged him to stay for the last few episodes that he did and because I, I yeah I think it was a roundabout show I didn't realise it was actually under the dome was the one that he was wanting to get out of which holy fuck that just makes it even worse for me because God, that show was terrible. Um, I don't know why I stuck with that for as long as I did. I mean, I I gave up and they were still under the fucking dome. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if they ever got out. Um, But, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to put the uh, the time piece together. So this episode was first aired in July 2012 and Better was announced in April 2013. So oh. no, not at this point. Um, I, right. Yeah, I'd always thought that I think kind of Breaking Bad got done before they even started talking about Better Saw. Probably, I'm much. sure they might have been like, there's got to be negotiations, right? They don't just all of yeah. a sudden wake up and go, here's a show. Like I'm, I'm sure at one point they pulled Bob Odenkirk aside and said, hey, so we've got this idea. Um, so, but yeah, it it is interesting because I always kind of find that with Saul that, um, you know, he doesn't get what you would expect to be a send off at the end of a series like you would with some of these other characters do. And it's kind of like, I I always assume they deliberately like, I mean, he has a conclusion, but it's also very open-ended. And to me, that's deliberate. I think whenever you have a, you know, it's like. Let's bring up friends again. Here it is. It's kind of like, let's be honest, Joey was the most open-ended character on that show and that was because he was getting his spin-off, right? So it was kind of, you've got to have that. And I never watched Cheers. I'm sure Frasier had an open-ended, you know, compared to the others. But uh, anyway, just tick off friends reference for the episode. I think we're, you know, got to... <laughs> 
drop drop the nuggets in front of Nick there to eventually cover every single episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a house fumigated. I mean, I'm guessing it's done here in Australia. I mean, God, I've got fifty bugs crawling over me right now. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a house tented. I feel like I have. But maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I've watched this show. But I love the the green and yellow kind of like that. It's almost like a circus tent kind of thing that's sort of, you know, doing it. But uh, it's clever. I like it. Um, we got Charlie Baker, the Oz Network's Charlie Baker, uh, <laughs> trying his hand at piano here. And this is real because, as we know from Charlie, he's a very talented musician. Uh, so uh, great little scene here of him uh you know, tickling the keys, uh, basically having a having a go there, and uh, you've got Badger playing this guitar, and they're there to get some uh, cases here with uh, douche nozzle shop assistant. God, this guy's got a punchable face, doesn't he? Like he's walking out in his shirt, untucked shirt with a vest and a tie. Like, um, I just yeah, kind of want to hit this guy. But um, I do, I do like it here when they're like talking about like, oh yeah, we want some cases. And what is it? Badger says something along the line. I don't know what he says, but he kind of does that. Like when he says like, oh yeah, we want a couple of cases. Uh, the way he does that with his uh, guitar. Uh, Skinny Pete's measuring the cases. They want what, like four of them. Um, and uh, oh, you've got to have some like uh, ID or whatever if that's going to be on layaway. It's like, no man, we're paying with cash. Like, oh God, this guy's a douche. Um, and they're even going to stencil it, throw in stenciling. What's your band's name? Vaminos Pest. And uh, they get it all back to the warehouse with Jesse. I like here how they're kind of like putting all the stickers over all the uh, the meth uh, chemicals and everything to do with, um, you know, make it look like it's all pesticides. And Badger and Skinny Pete want to get involved. And we see Mike kind of standing in the door, giving him a look. And uh, nope, he's not going to get himself involved with it. Uh, and then we get this great scene when Mike's basically given the uh, the speech to all the pest guys. <laughs> basically, it's like, right, this is how it's going to be. No more stealing. Um, and then I love it's like, you don't talk to these people. The only time you ever say things is yes, sir, and no, sir. <laughs> They're ghosts. You don't associate with them. And I love the look that like Walt and Jesse give each other, kind of that little smile they have at each other, yeah. uh, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, I'll just kind of lump everything here together. So Jesse's sort of explaining to Walt that uh, one of the equipments won't fit in the movable cases, so they're going to have to do it kind of like every time, screw it on top. Um, I, I kind of like Jesse, just almost like business Jesse here. Like Jesse's almost very, uh, you know, he's grown up and he's on top of things for once. Um, but Andrea comes in with Brock, yay. Um, and, God, she's just, she just not boring. Like I just I just forget she's even a thing and she's meant to be Jesse's girlfriend. Like at least Jane was engaging and you wanted to see these two together. It just seems like it's just at the point now where it's almost just like, oh, they're a couple. Just she's just at home. Like convenience sake. Like it's just even ugh, she's just piece of wood. Um sorry, Andrea. But um we kind of get this scene with Walt and Brock, which is a bit like, ooh, you know, like, oh, I heard you were sick. I heard you were a very brave boy. Uh, and then the little moment where they're both on the couch as uh, Walt's going to stay for dinner and they kind of just stare at each other. But, uh, ooh, you know, tension, you murderous bastard Walt, this kid that you nearly killed. So, um, yeah, some some interesting scenes, just some filler scenes really there. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite like the scenes with, you know, like Walt and Jesse are, are becoming kind of this like a, you know, everything they've been through, they're kind of friendly at this point, which is which is quite nice. And I think Make it kind the of, most of it. 
well, I mean, there's so much complexity to this relationship, you know, that it, is, it, it you know, comes and goes and, you know, sometimes they're at each other's throats and sometimes they get along really well, which is really good. Um, I think one of the things interesting about the Andrea character is that um, there, there was no real resolution to, you know, Jesse bursting into the hospital and telling them, telling about the rice and, you know, like that she's mm. never, that we've seen on screen any kind of like, what was that all about, well, you know, do you want to tell me what you know, Jesse? You know, like, which I think is interesting. That it probably speaks to that she's a bit of a one-dimensional character as written, because you know, like, I, I think a Jane-type character, where you would probably want more information. You know, she she would probably demand to know more because of the way that character is written. Whereas you know, Andrea is always a, you know, she she's a bit of a a, a kind of. Um, you know, she, she's there to help the Jesse character develop and nothing more. Um, whereas I think Jane always had a little bit more to her. So, yeah, I, I, I feel for the actress because she just isn't, I don't think she's given much to do with here. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, it's a bit frustrating, I think, from that perspective. Also, just want to say, we're talking about, you know, um, Saul having less to do. It's kind of sad that this is, you know, um, certainly in the first half of, of season five anyway, this is the last time we're going to see Badger and Skinny Pete. Um, I think oh, they're only going to make a couple of kind of fleeting, you know, um, appearances in the second half of, of season five as well. So It's been a while since I've seen them in general, hasn't it? I don't feel we haven't yeah, seen and them yet. And, and I think largely that they kind of get a bit replaced by the, um, you know, by the Todd character, you know, that you've got this... The, you know, get these other people who are doing the running around and and just suddenly you don't really need a badger skinny peak type character anymore so they're kind of they're kind of victims to where the plot goes you know like they're just not really needed very much um and it's a bit of a shame i mean I, I don't really think there's any way around that i think it makes sense to kind of to kind of move them on but you know they've been fun presents on the show and so that we're not going to see them probably speaks to that the show is going to get quite dark as it finishes, you know, like those kind of those those three of our kind of comedic characters are, are being sidelined a little bit um, between Saul and, and Badger and Skinny Pete, which probably tells you where the show's heading as it as we round the finish corner, you know. Yeah, well, just looking here, so they both haven't been in it since episode two of season four, um, and we won't see them again till episode nine. And then the finale, but I mean, they do have a fairly prominent role in El Camino, yeah, at least at the beginning. Um, well, but I think that, that the the scene in the in the finale is not massive, but it's quite memorable, you know. So yeah, is is um because we haven't had the Star Trek fight yet, haven't we? Isn't that isn't that in the I think that's in the first part of the second half, isn't it? When they're like having that massive yelling fest at each other about Star Trek, <laughs> um, which yeah, I remember that. That's that's really funny. But um, yeah, to Emily Rios uh, again, nothing against the actress, just. Andrew is a piece of wood. Um, just like you know, I'm sure you're a great actress in things when you have good stuff to work with. Um, but we get—I love this sequence. So I, I kind of like the introduction here, where we're about to get our first cook, um, and uh, we've got our homeowner. This this homeowner guy looks familiar. I swear I've seen him in things, but kind of the the bearded, our main sort of uh, Vaminos guy is just like, oh, you got all the keys, you put everything in the bag, you cannot enter this house, and blah 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 blah. So off they pop, and as Walt and Jesse arrive, uh, Todd, who did have his first line earlier, but he's got his first kind of real moment here where he's just basically like, uh, Sir, like, uh, just to let you know there was a nanny cam and I disabled it. And Walt's kind of like, what's your name? I always thought he said, what's your name, son? And he's just like, what's your name? He's like, uh, it's it's Todd. And he's like, okay, and off they walk. I also love that kind of look that Jesse and, and uh, Todd share with each other because that's kind of prominent like they're going to be you know two sort of uh you know which it's it's confusing because we've got the character of jesse and then like jesse plemons now who's one of the biggest stars to come out of this show who really wasn't known beforehand 
Uh, you know, he's a, he's a very big star now, Jesse Plemons. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know how big he was at this point. And no pun intended, I realise he put on a lot of weight too. Um, but <laughs> I, Todd's such an interesting – it's such an interesting character because, like, I just love the way that Jesse Plemons plays this guy because you just you – just, you never know how to read him. And even when he becomes, like, a real dick – like, you still don't know how to read him. You kind of almost want to like this guy. Like, to me, he's kind of like what I want Lydia to be, almost just like a likable dick, but he's not annoying and he's just interesting, whereas Lydia is just annoying. Um, so I don't know if you're if you're a fan of the Jess, uh, the, the Todd, here we go again, the Todd character, but, I mean, I know it's only brief and we're going to have a lot more to talk about him, obviously, as the season goes on. There's not a whole lot to really talk about him in this episode, but um, I don't know. Do, do you like Todd? Yeah, I do, and I get very confused. I'm always calling him Jesse instead of Todd, and of course, I've already got a Jesse character. So, my apologies to the listeners in advance because I'm going to do that a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got Mr. Kirsten Dunst here, right? Um, Is that with Kirsten and- Dunst? Yeah, yeah. So really? there's, a a, there's a bit of a New Zealand story here because he came to um, – this was in 2020. They wanted um, – him and Kirsten Dunst wanted some kind of, you know, a, exemption to be able to um, not have to quarantine or quarantine not in a facility, you know, a government facility because they were filming a show here or something, a, a movie or something. And I remember they were all over the news for like two days here um, during the middle of the um, 2020 kind of lockdown, COVID-related lockdown. So, so wow. yeah, I think – Oh, that was, I think, Power of the Dog, um, which is a, a recent movie that's uh, about to come out. Yeah, at the time of at the time of recording this, it'll be out by the time that this is uh, that you're hearing this. But uh, it was filmed in New Zealand as Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, yeah, so so he's he's in that. They're both in that. Um, so oh no, she's in that. He's not. Um, no, they're both in that. Sorry, I'm rambling. Um, but yeah, so so anyway, there was there's a bit of a story there. But yes, I think this is kind of one of his initial things, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, there was. He's Friday Night Lights, I believe. Yeah. I know Colin's yeah. talked because I've never watched Friday Night Lights, but I think that's kind of because Colin's a big Jesse Plemons fan, and he mentions a lot about Friday Night Lights being where he kind of got to know him. But I, I like I saw him in um, oh, was that Game Night movie? It was actually surprisingly good. Um, and he's been in, like, he's just, he's kind of one of those guys that pops up in random things and you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's Todd from Breaking Bad. Um, but I think that, um, he's just, he's becoming bigger and bigger. <laughs> Again, no pun intended. Um, kind of as <laughs> Well, I along. think he's, and I think he was, you know, um, I mean, I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that he looks quite different in El Camino because of oh, the... we'll talk the, about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and there, were, there were reasons for that. So I think, you know, a lot of the weight is largely because of the roles he's taken on as well, I think. it's um, That was a controversy. Yeah. That was like... Yes. um Because yeah, yeah. I think it wasn't hashtag like fat Todd trending or something <laughs> like that or... Yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that him and Kirsten Dunst. It's it's interesting. Just again to spoil the illusion of how these work, we're recording this a long time before we're releasing this. I think we're about seven months ahead now. Um, but Kirsten Dunst, at the time of recording this, is a big favorite to win an Oscar. So by the time you're listening to this, she might be Academy Award winner, Kirsten Dunst. Um, yeah. which doesn't sound right when you say it out loud. But I actually, as much as we rip shit into her during the Spider Man movies, I actually really like Kirsten Dunst. I just didn't like MJ. <laughs> so. Kind of would weirdly be okay with Academy Award winner Kirsten Dunst. And just saying, Jesse Plemons, a um, little bit younger than Kirsten Dunst, seven years, six years, but um, I'm actually older than Jesse Plemons. And I don't think I look older than Jesse Plemons. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, 
Anyway, uh, there you go. Uh, the esteemed Jesse Plemons on our screen. We'll be talking a lot more about him as we go along. But our first so cook- I see he's, I see, Sorry, I was also going to say that he's he's in the second season of Fargo, which um, right. I, I, I am probably where he met Kirsten Dunst because I think she's in that as well. But um, okay. yeah, I, I think um, I, I watched the first season there and loved it and just never never picked up um, the second season. So and it's an anthology type thing. So you, it kind of goes backwards and forwards in time. So, um, it's on the list. Got to watch yeah, it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get there. I've never even seen the movie, I'll be honest with you. So uh, there you go. Um, but we haven't had a cook montage in a while, uh, and now we've got one. And I, I, it's not as good as one we're going to get, which um, I'm saying it now again. I want to I wanna put it up. as this, We're going to struggle for top fives, as we keep saying. But um, I wouldn't put this up for a top five. But I just I love the way this works because I kind of like how they balance it with this sort of you're in a house so you kind of see like the family on the wall and like is this where you actually see a bug crawling on the bench or is that in another episode it's Uh kind of like I don't know if it's this one but you do see at one point there's like a bug crawling on the bench and clearly this is why they've got there but uh, this song is uh, on a clear day you can see forever by the peddlers and I just I love the the way they put this together just kind of like the way you kind of transition this in with them building the equipment, then them cooking, and then even we get for the very first time, we get, like, chemical reactions. We've got, like, some fancy on-screen graphics of chemicals reacting. Like, I love it. I think it's so cool. And I love that even one point of the song, like, it literally is, like, going, like, dun-dun-dun, and you kind of see the chemicals, like, exploding with the beat of the music. Like, it's awesome. I just love it. And you got, like, the transition from day to night. It's just... It's clever, and I don't know if this is a well-received montage or not, but I just, I just, I love this graphic of the fusion of the chemicals. It's so cool, um, yeah. and then it sort of transitioned to this very famous shot of them sitting on the couch drinking a beer. Which um, this is the one that The Simpsons parodied when they did a. I don't know if it was a couch gag. I think they did. A, they ripped off Breaking Bad. And it was, I think it was Bart and Homer sitting on the couch drinking like, I, I doubt Bart was drinking a beer, but they were like in yellow hazmat suits. So they, they did a Simpsons version and I know this has been parodied in lots of things. And essentially it's a conversation between Walt and Jesse about how things are going with Andrea and Jesse's all like, oh yeah, instant family. And then basically Walt questions him about, have you told her the truth? And Jesse's kind of like, no. And Walt's basically like, well, you know, is it really trust if you can't tell the truth about you too? So... Um, thanks, Dad. But like it also, but it does come into that sort of thing where I like, like I'm with you. Like I like kind of this friendly. I always like friendly Walt and Jesse because it's so few and far between. Like if you were to analyze all of their scenes together, probably like twenty percent of their on-screen time is them actually being nice and getting along. Probably even less than that. And particularly with the shit we're going to get in this season, <laughs> it's not going to happen a lot. So. Um, I like it, but I, I just, I love this cook scene. I just, it's not my, even my favorite of the season, but it's maybe my favorite up until this point. I think it's hard because I don't think we, uh, I, I stand to be correct, but I don't think we've actually ever got a montage scene into one of our top fives, which is a bit of a shame because I think it's one of the uh, things that the show does incredibly well. And that actually, you know, they do a really good job of, they're always for a reason normally, like they're normally to convey something. And I think this is to convey the, you know, the, the creepiness of doing this kind of thing in people's homes, you know, like you kind of get the shot, which is, you know, them in the tent and you see the kind of family portrait outside the tent, you know, like as, the, as they're kind of cooking. And also when they're kind of releasing the noxious gas, it's into kind of like children's, you know, like a playground and a, you know, like a paddling pool outside, you know, so just kind of really selling that this is a really, really 
scummy thing to be doing, you know, like in somebody's home. Um, and uh, one of the shots I absolutely love is when they kind of first walk in and their kind of hazmat suits are set out on the bench, kind of like they're a sporting team or something. And yeah. here's their kind of their kit, you know, as they kind of walk in. So I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's just like it's a very kind of artistic um montage it's, it's well put together um and it's telling a really like compelling little story and yeah the, the conversation on the couch is a lot of fun too and and um you know especially when you you know when you um fast forward to the end of the episode and the discussion that happens you know at the other end um i think it's just yeah it, it, it's it, it's really just conveying that jesse more probably wants more out of this friendship relationship than than maybe walt does you know mm, yeah no it's and because like it's it is a lot where you kind of see like with um, just Walt's attitude this season and kind of how he's just very arrogant now and very in control and kind of, you know, it's sort of, and it's, it is going to be almost like that fight we're going to get coming up sort of between like Jesse as in like who's in control, who's the daddy, Walt or Mike, basically. Uh, so it's kind of who's got custody of the son. So, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, we've got your opening line about to happen now. So we're at the car wash. Um, and Marie, just say, just just, yes. just with the scene that that um, the, the the worst looking salads I've ever seen in my no. life. That these two are having for lunch. <laughs> that just looks like a bunch of lettuce leaves in this massive, you know, plastic tub. So well, they've yeah. obviously gone to like some because you know they've got like these generic plastic cups with some sort of like iced tea in it or something like that. I mean, I've been to the states where I've gotten food like this, where you just get it in a generic plastic tub. You've just gone to some sort of like. What's it? I think it's called Panero. It's like some weird bakery thing where you can just go and get like some food and it's generally a salad and like a cup of iced tea and it's just it looks very much just like a standard takeout from somewhere in the States. But I didn't know if I noticed the salad. I'm looking at it now and it, it does look like a bunch of there's a bit of crouton it looks like in one of them. Um But Marie's talking about uh Hank is back at work, uh that they've got to start planning Walt's birthday party, uh and then Skylar starts smoking. Um, and then Marie's just basically like, what's going on? You haven't smoked in years. Like what, you know, you, what's happening at home? Blah, blah, blah. And I just love Skylar here. Shut up. And Marie's like, don't talk to me like that. I, I would not say that. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Skylar just absolutely fucking loses at Marie, which again, I love this scene because I like, I like Marie. I'm not saying like, tell Marie to shut up, but I just, it's just this frustration of Skylar kind of bursting point and just like letting go. And we're going to get a whole lot of this, obviously, in the couple of episodes that have come. But Anna Gunn's amazing here because it's just this whole shut up, shut up, shut up. And then she just breaks down with the cigarette and the cup and just, oh, it's just, it's so good. I, I, I'm assuming this is probably one of those scenes that people hate on Skylar for because, oh, she's so annoying, probably. But I love it. I just love this breakdown of Skylar. I just think it works so well with the characters. You pointed out at the beginning of the episode. It makes sense because from her perspective, like, this is just, she's living with a monster all of a sudden and she can't do anything about it. So, of course, she's going to break down. And she's going to break down in front of her sister and her sister can be a bit annoying sometimes. So, yeah, it makes sense to me. I love it. Oh, and let's be honest, like we've all been in a situation where we've got a friend or a, a relative or whatever who just won't shut the fuck up. Yeah, and, I'm and one of them. Haven't we all wanted to do this at some point? Like just, <laughs> just get up and scream at somebody to shut up eleven times. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I totally get it. I, I, you know, it, it feels feels like a real reaction to me. And and you know, I, I like Marie too. I, you know, I, I like that character. I've really grown to like like the Marie character. But I, I definitely feel for Skylar in this situation. Yeah. No. And it's just. Oh. 
I, I, I could think of many times that I've wanted to do this, particularly with you, Nick. You're a pain in the ass. Um, but <laughs> You're just getting back at me for that opening quote a couple of, couple yeah. of episodes ago, I think. <laughs> no, I think listen to Double Oz 7 when I get furious that like Colin and, and Noah going off at me for my die another day love all the time. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Um, this is where we see the we see a cockroach climbing on the bench here. So this is the scene that I'm thinking of. Um, Walt and Jesse are going over their count, um, and they're basically saying that like, oh, no, we've we've done good here. This is this is going to work out. Um, and as they leave, I love how they just turn on the the fumigator. Is this literally all you have to do is a fumigator? Like fucking set up a couple of things and turn it on and walk out? Like, Jesus, I want that job. That's no. What's the hard part of that job? Putting up tents on the house? Like, okay, um, it's pretty easy. Um, and then we get this conversation between Walt and Marie at Walt's house. Uh, Marie's obviously a bit concerned about Skylar with the breakdown, and Walt tries to make this excuse of, uh, oh, it's, you know, did you hear about Ted? Yeah, she was fucking him and now he's nearly dead. So um, that's probably why she's broken down. Um, and then Marie leaves, hugs Walt, and then we kind of get this cool little scene of Walt almost just being like, yeah, I got away with that again, and he bites his apple. Like, evilly, as all evil people do, they bite an apple because that's what they should do, right? Um, which we don't often see... Have we ever had just a Marie Walt scene before? I can't remember if we have. It's not a common pairing, I feel. Yeah, yeah, and it's not definitely not common. I'm sure it probably has happened, but yeah, it's it's not very common. Yeah, and I'll just uh, I'll lump on here as well. Um, just a couple of because again, I guess this episode is filled with a lot of just like quick kind of like scenes, isn't it? Like sort of, there's not a whole lot of elongated scenes outside of it. So I'll I'll touch on here too. Um, Jesse and Andrew and Brock sitting on the couch playing their beloved Sonic Team Racing or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> um, Andrew's kind of like to Jesse, like "You okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And she's obviously can see something else is wrong. Um, and then Skylar gets up and uh, she's been woken up by uh, Walt and uh, Walter Jr. watching Scarface, which again is another nod to the whole what Mr. Rogers becomes Scarface kind of thing, um, eating popcorn and uh, eating pizza. And again, just Anna Gunn, like I love this kind of like this look, this super close up on her face of just this terrified look when she's watching like, uh, Al Pacino basically killing everyone on screen and you've got like Walt and Walter Jr. just laughing at this and kind of she's almost just, I guess, what? Like this is my life now. Like I have to basically, you know, this is normal, just people murdering and things like that. So, uh, again, a great scene. And all I did watching this, and I hate being on keto a lot of the time because all I wanted to do watching this was eat some fucking popcorn and pizza and watch a movie. So thanks, Breaking Bad, for making me want to break my diet. So I, th- I think the... Um the you know the line from from Walt you know like everyone dies on this was a, a, um, a basically it was an improv line by Brian Cranston um, oh wow you know like it was yeah which which is quite funny um, but yeah I think I think they're all good scenes I think um, the one with Walt and Marie is probably my favourite of these you know three or four little scenes we got here and I think it's because you know it just really gets to the heart that Walt is such a you know a talented liar at this point you know that he can kind of just you know just tell this really convincing lie and he can actually you know turn the marital situation around to being Skylar's fault um and which is you know it's just an incredible talent that he's got it's a horrible talent but an incredible talent here to you know to basically use this information that Skylar can't even 
you know, she can't deny it because it's true. Um, and it, so I think it's a, it's a really important point here that, you know, he's able to leverage this information um, to his own end and make himself seem like the victim. It's, it's just really, really impressive. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just becomes like an everyday occurrence for him to be able to lie in this kind of like, you know, cold way without even really thinking about it so yeah I, I really love that I think the other two scenes yeah are, are a little bit more of a kind of just functional scenes that kind of move us to where we're getting at the end of the episode but um, yeah I mean it, it, it's all good stuff I've uh, I've admitted that I've never seen Fargo I've never seen Scarface either so um, no I, I've never seen Scarface either well there you go we just lost our listeners so uh, thanks for tuning into the Oz <laughs> Network uh, you're welcome um, I also really like this scene it's kind of the sorting out of the money and again it goes into sort of this, I guess, the fallout from Fring's death and just this distribution of the money here of how it's going to work, essentially. Um, so he's dividing all this money up. I love the cash counter. I love those cash counter machines. I've only ever worked at one job that has them, but they're fun. I just I like them kind of how they do that. Um, so three piles of money and uh, what is it, $367,000 each. And sort of Walt first questions this, like, you know, this should be more than that. You're about 300000 short. And then basically Mike's going through everything that they've got to pay. So they've got to pay the drivers. Um, they've got to pay the fumigation crew. They've got to pay legacy costs. Um, they've got to, like, just go through all of these payments and sort of Walt and Mike get into it. I kind of weirdly agree with... Walt, in a weird way, when he's just kind of like, well, why is that my problem? Why do I have to pay for it? These are your people. Like, why does it come out of my cut? Um, but then because Jesse's kind of getting involved and being like, hey, like, look, take it from my money. Like, you know, it doesn't bother me. And then Walt's kind of like, no, no, we agreed. It's a it's a trade. It's a three-way. It's all evenly split, so we will do this. Um, and we get that great line from Mike when uh, he basically says to Walt, uh, just because you killed Jesse James doesn't make you Jesse James. Uh, which is uh, a pretty epic line, uh, you know, kind of, you know, laying down the law essentially, which is kind of what we're thinking. You know, Walt's basically going on like, I've killed Fring, I'm the new Fring, but we're sort of uh, getting a notion that it's not that simple because I love the visual of this too, the way that Mike's kind of pulling all the money and you just see the money piles get smaller and smaller and smaller. And sort of as Mike leaves, I love that thing when he leaves and he's just like, tomorrow, waves his hand. And then my uh, Walt's basically like, are you okay with this to Jesse? And Jesse's like, well, look, at the end of the day, uh, we're getting a bigger chunk of the pie here. You know, uh, if you work it out, Fring was in control and we're in control now. It's our business. And if you think about it, we're actually, I guess, percentage-wise making a better profit here and they just probably need to make more product. And then we get this sort of uh, little moment here between Walt and Jesse where – Walt just all of a sudden brings up Victor, the Oz Network's Victor. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, I've been thinking a lot about Victor lately. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe he just killed him to send a message, but uh, no, I, I kind of think that maybe he killed him because, you know, he got his, what, hand in the cookie pot or whatever because he was starting to make his own product. So am I am I reading this correctly, Nick? Is this kind of Walt basically saying to Jesse, like, don't fuck with me and start cooking your own product or I'm going to kill you. Am I reading this correctly? Is this kind of meant to be a real, like, asshole Walt moment taking a stand over Jesse or am I just completely misinterpreting this? Um, look, I think it's it, it's a complicated one and I think kind of the, the Victor situation is, is always a little bit, you know, it, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I, th- I think it's more... 
I don't think so because I don't think that that's what Walt is. I think Walt and Jesse are in good terms at the moment, but it might mm. be more about, um, you know, like potentially from Walt's perspective, if you've got these these guys in prison that I'm going to have to pay to keep them quiet, well, actually, should I just not kill them? Should I just not organise for them to be murdered or whatever? You know, like that seemed like the much more effective way of keeping them quiet. Um, so I, I don't read it that way, but I can see that reading of it. I think it's it's more just to kind of maybe make the point that when you're the boss you've got to start making some big decisions you know um and you've got to do you've got to do nasty things to get shit done i think is maybe maybe part of it i don't know but um yeah i i I don't think your reading is necessarily wrong either it's just i find it interesting because it's kind of almost that look that jesse has it's almost i don't know if it's meant to be a look of fear or not but like you're right like i guess because they're they're on good terms and I mean, next episode, Jesse's going to buy him a birthday present. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, yeah, but it's, it's just, it's just interesting because it kind of does seem a bit random that it kind of gets brought up like this. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like this scene again. Like, this is just, it's the, the common thing we've been saying a lot about this show recently is that there's nothing bad in it. Um, but I think the difference between well, last think- week is that I'm, I'm enjoying a lot of these things more. I'm loving Anagan. I just, I like just kind of this little scene of the money. It's just kind of, it's, it's, it is a pointless scene. And I, maybe they don't like this episode because it's maybe a bit of a pointless episode, but I just kind of like the building you've got of like, this is what happens after Fring is dead. You've got to sort the shit out. Yeah, I think probably that's the thing too of like, you know, we've, we've spent this kind of like season and a half or two seasons building this kind of, you know, this this slow kind of like tension between Walt and Gus, which kind of eventually built that explosive ending. And actually now we've got the same situation of like we're actually, you know, the, the, this this season is starting off about being Walt versus Mike um, and, and who's actually in control here. And, and you know, Jesse's going to kind of be stuck in the middle in a lot of these situations, but absolutely we're setting up the kind of, the tension between these two characters who don't like each other, don't trust each other, but are having to work together um, to get things done at this point. And, you know, I think, I think that's a really interesting tension point. Um, and, and yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's not kind of the explosive stuff that we kind of got in season four, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I think not, not every episode can be this kind of like crazy off the wall stuff happening all the time, you know, because then you get game of Thrones, which is just, you know, about the spectacle more than about the story. And the story is always central. The characters are always central to this. And the spectacle, you know, enhances that um, rather than just being there to kind of grab viewers. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, do you like the whole just because you kill Jesse James doesn't make you Jesse James type too many of Jesse, Too many Jesse's going on here for us. This is too much. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is a good line. Definitely a good line. It's, um, yeah, I just, and I just love kind of, uh, you know how it's where Jonathan Banks and I just, I just love just that little moment again, like as he walks out and he's just kind of like tomorrow, like it's just kind of like yeah. see you tomorrow at the office, guys. Like you know, just and a, I just think it's one day. of those things. One of those things too of Mike is like one of the kind of underlying themes of the show really is underestimating people when you shouldn't, and like you know, just like Hank, Mike is underestimating Walt, and so you know he thinks he can just do this legacy stuff and it's not going to. You know, it's not going to lead to a reaction from Walt, and he should know better because he's obviously been through the whole thing with Gus. He should know that Walt is not going to let the stand for long. He's going to find ways to get what he wants. Um, and so, Mike's playing a pretty dangerous game here at this point because you know he should know better. Which, and I like, I kind of like the way that like this rivalry between these two works because you just always get that sense from Walt where he's just kind of like, 
like I'm better than you. Like, you know, just like he just, he just, he always feels that he's just, he's so much better than Mike and just kind of lets almost, you feel like he's just letting Mike be Mike in front of him and never, you know, like he, he obviously takes him on a little bit in this scene, but you know, they obviously don't really get into much more outside of that. Um, the trivia on this one. So you, you mentioned a couple of them. Um, this is the least watched episode of season five. Um, so there you go. Um, this, uh, so the episode of the Simpsons that I mentioned, it was season 24, episode 17. What animated women want, uh, is the one here that it says, um, was the episode there. Uh, there's a lot of trivia here, but it's kind of all very long and elongated. Um, yeah, the paper strip that Walt drips the liquid onto get a color change. It's probably a pH indicator paper. This suggests that Walt is using the pH of mixture. Cool. Uh, <laughs> good to know. Um, what are you doing with this episode, Nick? You're on a very long buy streak, as we know. So I'm intrigued to see, does it continue? Yes, it does. Um, I, I think um, this is... A, a, a good episode. I think, like we've said a few times, there's nothing wrong with this episode, so there's there's no reason to rent it. Um, for me, I've actually got this sitting just above last week's episode, um, so I've got it at. Sorry, I'm just counting. I've got a few episodes we haven't seen yet, so I don't want to reveal too much of where they might be. But I think I've got this at uh, 28. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean probably just under the halfway point basically um so yeah madrigal is just underneath it and season three episode five mass which i am struggling to actually remember what happened in each of those season three episodes all of a sudden um but yeah i think it, it, it's a good episode i'm happy to buy this episode um yeah it, 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 i think it's probably one of those ones that is maybe a little bit easy to forget which makes people think it mustn't be very good but actually it, it's a good episode yeah no i agree 14 in a row now nick you're only four away from the record, <laughs> from the record, four away, uh, no pressure. Uh, yeah, definitely buying it for me. And um, yeah, I've got this ahead of last week as well. I obviously rented last week, but uh, I've got this at thirty fifth, uh, which is just below no mass and just above green light. Um, because I yeah, I just it sets up enough. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not bored at all. Um, I'm entertained. I like the scenes. The acting's great. You're right. It's probably not the most memorable in terms of you're going to sit down and go, oh, God, I love Hazard Pay. That's my favorite Breaking Bad episode. Um, but there's enough in it that you're kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a solid one, and it kind of it works. So, yeah, I guess you'd remember this as the first episode of Todd. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. That's maybe. Or the shut up, shut up, shut up episode, potentially. Well, I think it actually, I, I think the name helps as well because Hazard Pay, you immediately remember it's the episode where it's dealing with how we're going to pay off these these guys that are in prison. So I think yeah. that helps as well. I think, you know, episodes like um, No Mass and Mass, it's kind of like, what were they about again? Like, and I think actually, you know, we started the show talking quite a lot about episode titles, but we haven't as much because they're a lot more literal as we move forward. Like it's generally about something that's going on in the episode mm. most of the time now. I um, will move into next week and I'll say one thing that annoys me about next week, the episode is called 51. This is the 50th episode of Breaking Bad. Could they have not done it like one week afterwards? Like, does that not make sense? Yeah, it annoys <laughs> like, me too. It's uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one kind of just for, you know, continuity sakes, but um i got to say I really like next week, and not just for the fact that we finally are at Bonfire episode. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Um, our second Ryan Johnson episode too, the forgotten Ryan Johnson episode, I feel. Everyone knows Fly and Ozymandias, but they always forget about 51, don't they? Um, and got to say, Ryan Johnson might be one of the best things I like about yours uh, until we get to Ozymandias. I, I, I really like next week's episode. I've literally got three scenes as potential top fives. And, yes, one of them is Bonfire. Shut up. I love Bonfire, <laughs> which... Is it not one of the most hated scenes in Breaking Bad? I feel like Bonfire gets a lot of hate. Um, Colin, if you're listening, I'm pretty sure I remember asking Colin about Bonfire and he didn't like it. Uh, I, think it's, um, I think it's probably quite divisive. Yeah, I think you either love it or hate it. Well, of course, it's by Ryan Johnson. Why wouldn't it be, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did he yeah. do Ozzy? Like, how? How is that possible? That The guy who did Last Jedi, probably the most divisive movie in the history of movies, Freaking fly, the most divisive episode of Breaking Bad and a scene which is probably the most divisive scene in all of Breaking Bad next week. How does he then go on to do probably one of the greatest episodes of television in the history of television? Yeah, it's bizarre. I, 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 I very, don't very get bizarre. it. I don't get this man. But um, outside of the epic bonfire, um, stay for the bonfire, come for the bonfire, stay for the Skylar because um, holy fuck, she's great next week is Anna Gunn. Um, and there's a pretty epic scene between her and Walt as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a great episode. I, I love next week. It's a, it's a really solid episode, and it just only helps with an epic scene and an epic song. Yes, I, w- I, w- I would agree that uh, there's, some, there's some, a lot to talk about in next week's episode. Um, yeah, I think it, the other thing too is I think it helps us in terms of things like um, time frames. Um, it's called 51 for a reason, and we'll talk more about that next week, but it kind of helps us put things into you know, a kind of chronological order, which, which is not always easy to follow on Breaking Bad, to mm. be honest. So, it, so it's helpful from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Follow us on all of our social media platforms. You'll hear about that at the end. Great shows that are happening, of course, at the moment. Our 24 coverage, other episodes, everything else in between. Go back and listen to our Lost, our Nip Tark, our Third Watch episodes as well. And uh, lots to keep you entertained here on the Oz Network. My name is Ben, and I'm the more ethnic-looking one. (laughs) My name's Nick, and uh, let it be noted that I do this under juries. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Network.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! (laughs) 
That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>